then slid away and calmed its nerves under another log or stone. The daughter carried a Bible. She helped in the kitchen of the Mennonite mission where her father had long been the custodian. The daughter began to sing, and that flushed the vultures still another hundred yards down the road. They were about to leave anyway for the safety of their mountain rookery before evening deepened. The coyote withdrew a little farther into the gathering shadows. He recognized the voices of the man and his daughter, and knew from the seven years of his life that they weren't dangerous to him. He had watched them on their way to the mission countless times, but they had never seen him. The great birds, flushing in the evening sun, aroused the curiosity of the father, and he quickened his pace. He had a hunter's inquisitiveness, not unlike the coyote's and he remembered the time when he had found a large deer freshly fallen from an escarpment by following a descending gyre of vultures. He told his daughter to wait at a distance, and he cautiously entered the dense chaparral along the road. He heard a rush of breath and a faint whistle, and quickly opened a long pearl-handled knife. He crept noiselessly toward the whistling, smelling a trace of blood amidst the vulture dung. Then he saw the man and whistled himself, kneeling to feel the pulse. At odd times he had accompanied the missionary who was also a doctor on his treks into the mountains, and he had learned the elements of first aid. Now he stood, whistled again in unison with the dying man, and looked at the sky. He was mostly Indian, and his first thought was to simply walk away and avoid any contact with the Federales. But then the doctor was friends with the Federales, and the man remembered the parable of the Good Samaritan, and looked back down at the body somewhat fatalistically, as if to say, I'll help, but I think it's too late. He came out of the brush and sent his daughter running to the mission a half mile down the valley. He squatted in the roadway and rolled pebbles back and forth with the blade of his knife. The sight of someone so gravely injured had quickened his heartbeat, but he coolly rehearsed his story of finding the body. In his youth, in addition to being a hunter, he had been a small-time bandit, and he understood that when speaking to authorities it was best to keep things simple. At the mission, Diller sat at his loin of pork roast with sauerkraut and potatoes. His VHF radio was tuned into a mariachi station in Chihuahua. Though he was a Mennonite and officially disapproved of radios, he felt he deserved certain concessions and had begun listening to such music ten years before when he came to the mission under the guise of speeding his learning of colloquial Spanish. Huge and rubicund, he was likely to bray along with the music to the amusement of the women in the kitchen. The church allowed neither alcohol nor tobacco, but Diller owned an unprescribed vice, gluttony. He savored the pork loin that was prepared for him every Thursday night as the sole remnant of his life in the States. He much preferred Mexican foods, which he consumed in volumes that made him fabled throughout the area. Not that he wasn't profoundly devout, but he understood it was his doctoring, his medical skill, that made his particular brand of Jesus popular in the impoverished mountain country. He no longer returned to the States for his annual month's leave. It bored him to sit around for thirty days in North Dakota and pray for the heathen throughout the world. 
Diller rather preferred the heathen and the bleak beauty of their country, their long-suffering ironies and pre-Christian fatalism. He loved to eat the chickens, pigs, piglets, goats, and lambs the people brought him as presents when he performed some medical miracle. He even loved his absurd pansy male nurse, Antonio, who was forever inventing reasons to drive off to Nogales or Hermosillo. The year before, the director of missions had visited and questioned Diller, wondering if Antonio weren't a bit peculiar. Diller played dumb, cherishing Antonio's knack for fancy dishes beyond the reach of the cooks and his singing of ballads, even though the gender in the ballads tended to get switched around. Diller groaned when Mauro's daughter rushed in, announcing the wounded man up the mountain. Mauro's daughter lugged his medicine bag out to the dock.